0: No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible.
1: Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we consider the family trees of David, Solomon, and five of the tribes of Israel. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in 1 Chronicles Chapter 3 on Simply the Bible. In the
0: first nine chapters of 1 Chronicles, the author sets the stage for the reign of David by giving various family lines of the children of Israel. We continue today in chapter 3. After Saul died, the tribe of Judah made David their king and he reigned in Hebron for seven and a half years. We are given the names of his six sons that were born in Hebron. When David became king of all Israel, he reigned in Jerusalem. Thirteen sons were born to him there. One of them was Nathan. Now he is significant because according to the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus would receive the legal right to the throne of David from Solomon all the way down to Joseph, who was his adoptive father. But according to Luke's gospel, Jesus received the bloodline from Nathan all the way down to Mary, his mother. David also had other sons by his concubines and a daughter, Tamar, who was the sister of Absalom. In verses 10 through 16, we have the royal wine of Solomon's descendants. These are the kings of Judah, from Solomon to Zedekiah, who reigned at the time of the Babylonian captivity. The rest of chapter 3 deals with the family of Jeconiah, who is known as Jehoiakim in 2 Kings. Now this is significant because it was from the line of Jeconiah that Zerubbabel would come, who was the governor when the exiles returned to Jerusalem from Babylon. The fact that Zerubbabel is named helps give credence to the traditional belief that it was Ezra, the priest, who wrote 1st and 2nd Chronicles and Ezra. You see, Ezra returned to Jerusalem after Zerubbabel, who came with the first returning exiles. In chapter 4, the chronicler goes back to Judah, the son of Israel, to trace different lines other than the one leading to David. This shows how strong the tribe of Judah was in Israel. Now in verse 9, we come to a man of Judah named Jabez. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. Jabez stood out among his brothers. His mother suffered greatly in childbirth, so she named him Jabez, which means sorrow. Now, why a mother would put that upon her son to wear for the rest of his life? I cannot say. But in this case, the affliction produced a noble result. Jabez cried out to God that he would not cause pain or sorrow. Neither did he want to suffer the same. He asked God to bless him, enlarge his territory, and keep him from evil. And God granted his request. Now, that's just a good prayer to pray. Bless me. Now, is it wrong to pray that? I don't think so, for Jesus began the Sermon on the Mount giving eight godly characteristics that lead to a blessed life. We know them as the Beatitudes. Enlarge my territory. Nothing wrong with expanding our borders. This could be in the physical sense, meaning material prosperity or political influence, but it could also be in the spiritual sense. Help me, O oh Lord, expand the borders of your kingdom. Help me win lost souls and bring many to Christ. Nothing wrong with praying that prayer. Keep me from evil. Jesus taught us to pray this in the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Of course, if we are kept back from evil, it will make it easier for us to be blessed and to enlarge our territory. And the last part of the prayer that I don't cause pain. God doesn't want us to harm others. It is said of Christ that he is harmless. We are told not to give an offense either to the church of God, to the Jews, or to the Gentiles. And that is a challenge. Now, the beautiful thing is that God answered the prayer of Jabez. Is that a one-time occurrence? No, because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In James 4 2, we read, You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. God is not stingy. He is gracious and generous. He answers good prayers from those who trust in Him. Here's the promise we have in 1 John 5 14. Now, this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. But are we asking? Are we truly people of prayer? If we timed our prayers this week, how much time would it amount to? Those who accomplish great things in the kingdom of God are people of prayer. In verse 13, we are introduced to Kenaz, who was the younger brother of Caleb. Caleb, along with Joshua, were the only two adults to come out of Egypt and enter the promised land. They were two of twelve spies who scouted out the promised land and brought back a favorable report, while the other ten spies discouraged the hearts of the people. Now, Othniel was the son of Kenaz and Caleb's nephew. Caleb gave his daughter to Miriam. Othniel also became the first judge of Israel. When we get to verse 24, the genealogy moves to the tribe of Simeon. You may recall that Simeon and his brother Levi wiped out the entire city of Shechem with their swords when the prince of Shechem violated their sister Dinah. Their father Jacob was so angry with them for their cruelty that on his deathbed, He said that they would be scattered in Israel. Levi became the priestly tribe and they did not have their own territorial inheritance in the promised land. Instead, the Levites were given priestly cities within each of the 12 tribes. Simeon was given their inheritance within the borders of Judah. Now, Simeon outgrew this region, so they went to the entrance of Gidor, a town in the hills of the Negev in the southern part of Judah. It was good pasture land. So they drove out the descendants of Ham who lived there. This occurred during the reign of King Hezekiah. Also, 500 of the men of Simeon went to Mount Seir, where they defeated the Amalekites and settled there. Chapter 5 deals with the two and a half tribes that lived on the east side of the Jordan, beginning with the family of Reuben. Reuben was the firstborn son of Jacob by his wife Leah, but Reuben committed adultery with Bilhah, his father's concubine and the handmaid of Rachel. Consequently, the birthright of the firstborn son and the double blessing passed from Reuben to Joseph. Joseph had two shares in Israel— the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh, Joseph's sons, whom Jacob adopted as his own. Judah prevailed over his brothers to become the royal tribe, which is why his genealogy is listed first in 1 Chronicles. But Joseph received the right of the firstborn. Now, you'll recall that when Moses and the children of Israel conquered the kings on the east side of the Jordan River, that the tribes of Reuben, gad and the half tribe of manasseh approached moses saying we have flocks and herds and this is great pasture land over here we would like to keep this as our inheritance rather than crossing over with you to the west side of the jordan but moses saw a problem with this because he knew their brothers would need help conquering the canaanites So the two and a half tribes agreed to go with their brothers and fight until they defeated the Canaanites and the other tribes received their inheritance. But the problem was that living on the east side of the Jordan, they did not have the natural barrier of the Jordan River to protect them. And this made them more vulnerable to the enemy. Beginning with verse 11, we get the genealogy of the family of Gad. The land where they dwelt on the east side of the Jordan was known as Gilead. Gad, Reuben, and the half-tribe of Manasseh went to war against the Hagrites. Now, During the battle, they cried out to God. Probably things were looking grim, and they knew that they would be in trouble if God didn't help them. Verse 20 says, "And they were helped against them, and the hagrites were delivered into their hand, and all who were with them, for they cried out to God in the battle. He heeded their prayer because they put their trust in him." One could make the case that it would have been better to pray before going into battle. But God still heard and answered even though their prayer was late. And this is what is so beautiful about God. He is ever willing to help his children who cry out to him in desperate need. Maybe you missed your time of prayer early in the day. You were in a hurry, so you rushed off to work. But in the middle of the day, you get thrown for a loop. It's a hard day and everything is a battle. So you take a few moments to quiet yourself and pray, asking God for his help, wisdom, and strength. And God helps you. Why? Because it isn't about our righteousness. It's about God's faithfulness. And he gives grace to the humble who acknowledge their need for him and seek his help. It is all about us simply trusting in the Lord and calling upon his name. God gave the two and a half tribes a great victory and they dwelt in the place of the Hagrites until the time of their captivity. From verse 23 through to the end of chapter 5, we are given the names of the tribal leaders of the half-tribe of Manasseh on the east side of the Jordan. Sadly, these two and a half tribes were the first to go into Assyrian captivity. The barrier of the Jordan River made it more difficult for them to worship in Jerusalem. Therefore, they offered sacrifices on the high places and easily fell into idolatry. Verse 25, and they were unfaithful to the God of their fathers and played the harlot after the gods of the peoples of the land whom God had destroyed before them. So the God of Israel stirred up the spirit of Paul, king of Assyria, that is Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria. He carried the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh into captivity. Now, remember, these tribes were content to settle where it was comfortable and to their liking rather than going the distance into the promised land that God had prepared for them. And there are many in the church today who follow their example. Rather than going the distance and committing to Christ, putting him first and serving him wholeheartedly, they have reached a plateau in their spirituality. They are content where they are at and they don't want to change. They don't want to go all in for Jesus. Consequently, they are the first to get picked off by the enemy. May God help us to learn from these Old Testament examples that have been given for our benefit. May we pray more, expect more, and give more of ourselves to God so that we may be blessed, expand our borders, and keep ourselves from evil and pain.
1: You've been listening to Simply the Bible the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941 thevoicecom or check out our iTunes podcast. Tomorrow, we will see where the chronicler continues with the genealogies of seven tribes of Israel. We'll also consider the musicians and priests who served in the temple. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of 1 Chronicles on Simply the Bible.